Well, good morning, church. We are glad to have you here at Stone Point today. Uh, we are in, if you're a first time guest or a, uh, a just you've been on vacation, you've been gone, and you have missed our series. We've been in a series called Colossians, and we've been going through the book of Colossians, and today we'll be in Colossians 3 12 through 17. Now, um, I am super glad that video is long because it was going to be hard to get into this thing. So uh, I put out on Facebook I needed a straight jacket for, uh, for today, and the good news is, is no one had one. So, so the bad news is I had to order one. So it's good to know that my friends do not have a straight jacket, right? So, uh, but today we are going into a verse that starts out with, therefore. And so every time you see that word, you have to know the stuff that was mentioned before that to completely understand the message that comes after that. And so last week, um, Dick talked about just having being in your old self and putting it to death. And he said that our old self is like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, uh, greed, slander, malice, filthy language, just all of these things, gossip that we naturally gravitate towards. Our old self, the desires of the heart, is to please ourselves. It's to do what we want to do. And so we gravitate towards that. The problem is, is God has asked us to put on something else. And so he mentioned about taking off, putting to death the old self. And a lot of times what we do is we just what? We hang it in the closet so we can go back to it later on. We don't put it to death. We don't burn it. And so our old self is like a straitjacket. Like we are born into this straitjacket. And if ever you've, uh, if you're a father or mother and you have a, you've ever had a child, then you know that when the baby is born and it wants to sleep and it starts moving it cries and it can't sleep. So what do we do? We put it in a straitjacket, right? We wrap it up in a uh, blanket. We call it a blanket, but what we're doing is we're tying its arms down and legs down so it feels comfortable because that's how it was in the mother's wound. And so we're born into this straitjacket. This is what makes us feel comfortable. And so if we were born into this straitjacket and continued to walk, we would, we would learn how to live life in a straitjacket. Like we, our inventions would be different, our house would look different, because we wouldn't have the use of our arms. And that's how life is, is we are born into our old self, into our natural desires, and so we learn how to live life in sin. Like we learn how to mask ourselves, our true selves, the way that God uh, created us to be in our old self and in our sins, and we walk day by day just feeling comfortable in it. But God uses people to bring the message of good news to you. Because no matter how much I struggle, no matter how much I try to get out of this, I can't get out of it. And so God uses people to bring the message of Christ. And so I've got a volunteer that's going to come up here and help bring me the message of Christ. And he's not the one that saves me. In fact, God does all the work, right? And then I am free from my old self. I have a chance to take off, to put to death my old self. Now what Christ does is before we do any of that, salvation is, is that we get to be a part of, if I can get this, this is a little more difficult than I thought, <laughs> right? We are then seen 
as Christ righteous at that point. Even though we have not put to death our old self, salvation isn't get perfect and then you receive my salvation. It's not get to a certain point or put on what I've told you to in order to receive my salvation. We are seen as God's son or daughter based off of what he has done, not what we do. But once we are God's chosen people, because God initiates it all, it's what the verse starts out in verse 12 here. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, if you are in Christ, he tells us to put to death our old self. And so even though we are seen as righteous, there is something that we have to do. We have to, as Dick said, put to death our old self. So we've got to burn it. We've got to kill it. We've got to rip it up. But a lot of times, what do we do? We just we kind of hang it up here so we can go back to it later. Now, God tells us to do that. That's what we saw in uh, the message from last week. This week, he tells us to put on something. And a lot of times, we get kind of mixed up with what we're supposed to put on. Now, <clears throat> what we are told to put on isn't easy. It's not comfortable. Because we don't naturally gravitate towards these things. And so imagine the wedding dress that you were uh, married in or the tux that you were married in or maybe your favorite t-shirt from college, right, or high school, and, and God tells you to put on these things. And as I try to put this on, I've learned pretty quickly, I got to do something in order for this to look good, right? Like I, I can't, this would be embarrassing if I tried to put this on, right? And so God says, I want you to put this on, but it's difficult. I mean, i got to work out if I'm going to fit in this shirt again. I've got to start eating healthier if I'm going to fit in this shirt again. And so God tells us to put on things, but it's not easy. And why isn't it easy? Because we deal with three things. And so we're going to talk about this real quick. We deal with our internal struggle. Like We always gravitate towards that old self. Without God's spirit, we're going to go back over and over and over to that old self. And so we have this internal struggle of naturally doing what we want to do versus what God wants us to do. So what we want to put on is that sexual immorality, that impurity, that lust, that greed, that anger towards people. But he tells us to put on something else. So we have that internal struggle. Not only do we have that internal struggle, we have the external struggle. Our culture, our world, our friends, our family, we have this. Our culture is telling us to go exactly away from what God wants us to do. And so we have our internal struggle, we have our external struggle, and we shouldn't be surprised about our culture. We shouldn't be surprised about this world. God warns us that this world is going to decay. It's going to get worse and worse and worse until I come back, until I recreate this world into a new world, in a new heaven. God, we deal with this external struggle. And not only do we deal with our internal struggle or our external struggle, we deal with the spiritual struggle that we don't even see. If you go to war, you are not going to fight your teammate that you're going to war with. You're going to fight the other team, the other nation. And that's what Satan does. That's what Satan and his demons do. They don't fight the people that are already on their team. They attack us, those that are God's chosen. So we have three things that are pulling us away, that are taking us, that are tempting us into going a different direction than what God wants. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. And so with that in mind, when we go into the scripture here, 
we're going to kind of look at some things that, that people think and we might have been taught that we put on, but it's not true. And then we'll get into the scripture. So let me pray and then we'll, we'll get into this. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for people. I thank you for using us to bring your message of love and hope to a dying and decaying generation. Father, I ask that you forgive me for anything that I have done or not done in your name, Father. God, I ask that you help us to know what to put on so that we can be representatives of you in this culture. God, I ask that you speak to us through your spirit how you do. Every week, Father, just uh, put me aside and speak through me so that people can come and know you more, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So there are three notions that we are kind of taught in, uh, we may have been taught in church, we may have heard some friends or even so-called Christians say these things. And a lot of times, I've got a first picture here that, he, that we think that we're supposed to be clothed in this money machine, Right? God is going to, once I become once I get into a relationship with God, I'm going to be just clothed in this money machine and I'm just going to grab, grab all the blessings of God. And that's not true. It's called the prosperity gospel. We're not, we're not promised overabundance in blessings. Now, we are pro promised provision from God. But if God has chosen to bless you, it's not to bless you, it's so that you can bless others. You are given over an abundance so that you can bless those that don't have it. You are given a home that may be awesome so that you can use it to bless others. You are not called to build your own kingdom here on earth. We are not putting on a money machine. But also, we're, we're not put, putting on this idea of this well, that's pretty, that looks pretty cool, right? So, so, like, we think that we're going to get in this protective barrier, right? Or this barrier that's pretty comfortable that, that we just kind of walk through life. And, man, once I am, am saved, life is going to be easy. It's going to be comfortable. I'm going to be protected from all hurt, pain, and sorrow. And that does not happen until we reach heaven, where there is none. And so we think that we are get into salvation, God says, okay, I'm going to put on this protective barrier around you. And we live in a world that we are not to be of the world, but we are to be in the world so that other people can come and know Christ. We are, what, aliens of this world. Our home is in heaven. And that's where all sorrow and pain will, will no, be no longer. And we will uh, be able to worship our God forever. And so we are not given a protective barrier. We're also not to put on all knowledge. Because when knowledge, we get puffed up with knowledge, we become the judge or a ruler of other people, and we tend to start saying, okay, because you're not like this, I know the rules, you must not be a follower of Christ. In fact, I'm going to put you down so much until you get into my way of thinking that it puts people off. So these are three notions where we are called to be knowledgeable, but not to put others down. Not to, not to make others feel lower than we are. 
And so with these things, like if you are a follower of Christ today, there's two types of people in this room. There's those that have already chosen to follow Christ and those that haven't. And if you haven't today, know that more than likely you've been taught one of these three things or people have been one of these three things to you that are so-called Christians. And this is not what we're called to do. And I first want to apologize for anybody that's come in the name of Christ that feels like they are the judge or the ruler of you. That is Christ and Christ alone. And you need to know that because he is the one that sets the bar. He is the one that sets the standard, not people. And so I want to just invite you into this scripture today so that you can see what Christians are supposed to be. We're supposed to put to death our old self. But then what do we put on? So he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, right? We are seen as righteous. We are seen as holy because of Christ. And we are also dearly loved by God. These two things are just, I can't describe it enough to you. Every time you start studying about how God sees us as righteous because of his son and how he loves us and pursues us, it just starts to baffle you more and more. But we have been forgiven of so much. We are holy and dearly loved. It says, clothe yourselves, put on, or, or add over top of you with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. You know, compassion, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you as we're talking about these things. Dick said last week, I give you three questions to go home and talk to your family about. So I am giving you homework too because Dick did it. I just follow the wisdom of others, right? I want you to go home and talk to your spouse or kids about these five areas. I can guarantee you that you probably won't like the answers, okay? I already talked to my wife about it. I'm like, I could have sworn I was way more humble than I thought, than you think I am, right? So, I mean, like, like, okay, yeah, okay, get back here. So, I did talk to my wife about it, and she kind of, on a scale of 1 to 10, told me, I got some work to do. I got some work to do. Let's just leave it at that. But go home and talk about these things like compassion. Compassion is how you feel towards others. Like it is, do you relate? Do you understand? Do you hurt when people hurt? Do you have joy when people have joy? It's how you feel about others. It's not about how you just feel about your family. It's everyone around you. Like, do you have compassion for others? The opposite of compassion is you just, you don't care. You don't feel when people are hurting, when people are in need, when people are uh, going through difficult times. You're like, well, God's got me. But you don't feel compassion towards those people. Now, kindness is how you what? You feel towards people in compassion. Kindness is how you treat people. Like, based off of your compassion towards people, how are you treating people? Are you being kind? Like, unkind, the opposite of un, you know, kindness, is, I feel like it's a bully or unkind. I feel like it's those kids that tear off grasshopper legs, you know, and, or they got a cat in the corner and they're throwing rocks at it. Like, I feel like that's, that's what the opposite of, of kindness is. So you've, you've got the way that you feel towards people. You've got the way that you treat people. Humility. This is the way that you think about people. Like, do you honestly, based off of your compassion towards people and the way you treat people, do you lift them up higher than you are? Do you think of yourself lower than everybody else? The opposite of humility is pride, right? So we are prideful when it comes to ourselves because we see ourselves higher 
higher than those around us. And again, this isn't our family, just our family. It's everyone. It's your coworkers. It's your friends. It's your enemies. Like, do we truly lift and think of ourselves lower than other people? Christ did it. He was in heaven, perfect place, no sin, no pain, no death, and he came as a servant, thinking of himself lower than us. He lifted us up to the perfect God based off of his sacrifice. And so how are you doing at humility? Gentleness. Now, gentleness, you think of, oh, maybe it's kind of like kindness. I think of a, um, kind of like a, <clears throat> a father that has a newborn. First time, he's like holding it, like, uh, am I going to break this thing, right? He doesn't talk so loud to it. He's real quiet. He uses the, right? Right? The non-language of the humans. That's really speaking in tongues probably, you know? But, <laughs> but you've got this idea of gentle. Like gentleness comes more than just actions. It's how are your words to people. Like, are your words actually being gentle? I think of harsh, abrasive, like just hard people are not kind to people. Their gentleness, not in their words. In fact, they come across harsh. So how are you doing it speaking towards others? And then patience. This is waiting for people. This is waiting for others that maybe are not near where you are spiritually. Like, this is having patience for those that it takes time to move along in their spiritual walk that may not have grasped it just like you did. And so you have to wait. You're not outrunning them. In fact, you are putting yourself on hold to help them along. There's patience for people. You can gauge your patience on how you sit in traffic. Right? We'll stop there because... That's where I fall in, <laughs> right there. <laughs> so if you got a video in the car, you'd probably be like, who is that again? <laughs> like, like, but patience, how are you doing? These are these five things that we have to put on and realize this is not natural for us. We do not naturally have compassion for others. We do not naturally have kindness towards, towards others. We don't naturally have humility, gentleness, or patience. And it comes from God. It is the new self that we put on based off of how we are dearly loved and we are seen as righteous. And so then he continues on. So these are the five things that you need to look at. But then he continues on and says, okay. Oh, wait. I forgot. Okay. Let's take this back because I just want you to know I did not pick that video out. But it goes so well with what Christ is telling us today because... As through my studies, I saw this in, in the, the, just one of the study guides that I, I was looking at. That Barclay, he says here that, um, I've got a quote. It is most significant to note that every one of the graces listed has to do with personal relationships between man and man. There is no mention of virtues like efficiency, how well you're doing, how, how easily things come to you. Or cleverness, knowledge, how much you know, what education you have. Not even of diligence, how hard you work, or what you can press on to do, or the, how you don't quit. Or industry, like how you've built yourself up, or provided to society, or made status. Not that these things aren't unimportant, but the great basic Christian values are those which govern human relationships. This is so important. 
Because those that don't feel compassion, humility, kindness, um, gentleness, and, and patience from us, they don't see Christ. They see us. We have to clothe ourselves exactly how God has asked us to so that we are representatives of him. He continues on, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The idea here is the bear with one another is allow margin for other people's faults. Like you know people are going to upset you. You know people are going to wrong you. We're people. Why not go ahead and allow people to have faults? We are told to bear with one another, to give leeway to people. And then it says to forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, we read over this pretty quickly, or we might say, oh yeah, okay, I get you, forgive. God's forgiven me of a lot of stuff. Man, he has forgiven me of a lot of mess, right? We have been forgiven so much stuff. And so I want to dive into this because as I was going through studies, man, this really hit me hard. Let's look and see what God has forgiven. And do you forgive this way? Do I forgive this way? God forgives bad people. When we think of bad people, we think what? People that broke the law, that are in prison. We are good because we've not broken the law. They are bad because they have. Well, if you take it from God's perspective, we're all bad people. We've all broken his laws and regulations. We do not forgive bad people. In fact, human nature is what? You need to become good before you get my forgiveness. You need to um, become kind of like me because I'm a good person before you get my forgiveness. God forgives first. Human nature is what? They did me wrong. They need to come to me and seek my forgiveness. And God's forgiveness is extended before we even search for it. God, Christ has already died on the cross. I don't know if you know that or not. Forgiveness is there. He has chosen us. He has chosen humanity to have a relationship with him. Forgiveness is there. God has done everything first. How are you at forgiving? God forgives knowing we are going to sin again. Human nature, I forgive you, but you better not do that again. Right? If, if I know my spouse cheats on me, and then I know she's going to do it six months later, I'm not forgiving her. Right? We don't forgive like that. We don't forgive like God, knowing that, okay, you may sin. Like, we don't even know. God knows what we're going to do. Yet he forgives us. It's so crazy. God forgives and restores. God forgives us and restores us to the right relationship that we should have with him in the first place. Human nature is that we forgive but hold them at an arm's distance. If you've ever had a friend backstab you, you're not considering them anywhere a friend what they used to be. We don't forgive like God does. God forgives and bears the penalty. This is crazy. Like, if someone wrongs you and you expect them to do something, their penalty is what? What they have to do to earn that forgiveness. God says, okay, even though you've murdered my family member, I'm going to prison for that. 
and yet you're getting off scot-free and I forgive you for it. Like, we do not forgive this way. God forgives even though we run from him. Human nature is, okay, I'm going to seek this person first. I'm going to come to them first. My forgiveness is here for you. And they say, I don't want it. Ah, that's up to them now. My hands are clear. I've done my part. God says, you want forgiveness? And we run from them. Do you want forgiveness? Do you want forgiveness? Do you want? He continues to pursue us. We don't do that. God forgives with no work required. There is no stipulation to God's forgiveness. It is a free gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We don't forgive this way. And when we read over that verse and just say, God, let me forgive others the way that you've forgiven me, we don't think about it. How are we doing it forgiving? Forgiving those that are our enemies, our friends, our coworkers, our family. How are we doing it forgiving? And over all these virtues, put on love. There's that word again, love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Without love, you're just doing all those things for yourself. If you do not have love, and it's not our love. I don't want you to think that our love can do this stuff. Our love is conditional and it's, and it's feeble at best. God's love, if you have Christ's love that lives inside you, you know what love is to have towards other people. We have to have Christ's love first and foremost before we can put on compassion, uh, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And before we know how to truly forgive one another. So you got these things. You're like, okay, Brian, okay, I really want that. As a follower of Christ, I want these five things. I want to know how to forgive, and I want Christ's love. I feel like it's inside me. I know I've got this. What do I do? Like, how do I do this? Because the problem is, is life hits me hard, and I wake up, and I think about what I got to do this day. I got to uh, what, where we have to go, all the bills that need to be paid, and I just am overwhelmed. Paul continues on, and there's two things that he that he tells us to do. And the first one is to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word let is to allow. The idea is that somebody is at the door and you open it up and you invite them in. Like when is the last day you woke up, the last time that you woke up and you said, God, I'm going to allow your peace to rule my hearts today. When's the last time we've woken up and said, I'm going to allow your peace to just overcome me so much that I remember it throughout the day. The word allow means we have to do it. We have to relinquish what we want to allow it to rule, to govern, to tell us what to do. If you are in the middle of a decision today and one causes peace and the other causes war, choose peace. The peace of Christ needs to rule our hearts. I believe that war, while horrible, is probably the easy way out. Because what happens? Toughest guy wins, right? To call ourselves to peace like Christ did, that's the harder route to take. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. If you allow Christ's peace to rule your hearts, thankfulness is the byproduct of it. 
you know without a shadow of a doubt, if peace comes over, you can't help but thank God for all that he's done. The second thing says, let the message, again, allow the message of Christ to dwell among you, in you, richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There's the byproduct of thankfulness again. The two things that we allow into our lives is the peace of God to rule our hearts and the message to dwell in us richly, and thankfulness is the byproduct of both. What does it mean to let dwell? Like when you get engaged with somebody... You are telling them, I want you to come and live in my house, to live every minute with me, to know my good, know my bad, know exactly who I am. That's what our spouses are. They know me. My spouse knows me better than my parents do. My spouse knows me better than my kids do. When's the last time you've been engaged with God's word? When is the last time that you have allowed it to dwell, to live with you richly? Like, do we wake up and read it for five minutes and we're done? Got it. Check. Did my quiet time. Prayed. When did we let it dwell in us so much so that it knows us, that we know it backwards and forwards? As we teach and admonish one another. Now that's Christ followers as we teach and we instruct. The word admonish isn't this judge or rule over. It's actually to correct with a good willed spirit in mind. We are called to admonish, to instruct, to bring back those that say we are followers of Christ. Because we're one family. And then he talks about psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God. Now, I know we sing worship here, and I'd say probably 75%, maybe 80, 85% of us sing out loud. And some of us are like, I don't have a good voice, and I'm, I'm going to stand here and just soak it all in. Music has been with humans probably since the beginning of time. It's in heaven. The angels sing to God. Like there is something that music does to us that we don't even realize that it does. So I've got an experiment today. I'm going to experiment. I've got three songs, and I'll tell you, they're three songs from popular Disney movies. And when this song plays, I want you guys to tell me without knowing what it is, what the movie is that it came from. Okay, And once we do, then I've got, if you're right, we'll see. Just shout it out as soon as it happens, and we'll see. And if you know it, just keep shouting. Okay, first song. I hope this works. That's not it. I can guarantee you. There it is. Oh, man, that was fast. <laughs> the answer, let's see if you're right. Oh, Little Mermaid. Okay, you didn't even, some of y'all are like, I didn't even hear anything. <laughs> like, so it was under, right, under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me, right? So you got, you got under the sea, and you can what? You can picture the little crab Sebastian singing to Ariel. I've got kids, okay? 
Ariel with all the stuff that she found under the sea, right? And she's saying, I want to be up there. I want to be up there. And he's singing, trying to tell her not to be. Second song. (laughs) That was even faster than the previous one, right? Okay, now I can guarantee most of y'all know this song. So here we go. Akuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Akuna Matata, ain't no passing grace. Right? Yeah, it means no worries, right? You can picture Simone and Pumbaa singing to Simba, I think that's his name, right? That this is our problem free philosophy. Third song. Who got it? Who got it? Aladdin! It's a whole new world. A whole new world, right? And you can picture Aladdin and and Jasmine just riding on the, what is that, the carpet, magic carpet, thank you, all through the clouds. We can be in love, right? (laughs) Now, here's the deal. How many times have y'all heard those songs? A bunch. Maybe 20 times. How many times have you seen the movie? A lot. Five, six times? Isn't it amazing that songs can help us memorize things? Like, I knew the lyrics to those words, and I can't tell you the last time I heard the song. And man, it struck a memory in me about that scene. Some of you can ask to sing your favorite song from high school or college, and you know all the words. And you even know the people that you were singing it with, and the car that you were driving, and the situation you were in. Why don't we use songs like this to help us know the word? Like how many times have you been in a situation where God's provided and you think, I'm going to find a praise song so I remember this situation. That way when this situation comes again, that song prompts when God's provided before. There's a a website out there that I, I tend to... I mean, this is a good website, Seeds Family Worship. Go to Google, type it in, Seeds Family Worship. All it is is scripture put to, word, to, put to songs. I have memorized more scripture based on those songs than reading over and over. There's one called Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Like this, it just comes naturally because I had the song to help reinforce. Music does wonders, yet we don't use it anywhere near what God's provided for us. I encourage you to listen to praise songs daily. I encourage you to find songs with scripture that helps you remember. It's perfect to let the message of Christ dwell in us richly. Why not use music to help us? Okay. And then he follows up and says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Take it back to the beginning. Therefore, in word or deed, in word spoken or written on Facebook, in deeds, Do you look like your old self? Have you put it to death? 
In your words and deeds, are people going to see compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love? Or do you still look like your old self? It's not something that's done immediately, and in fact, it's not easy. But I pray and encourage you, put on these things so that we are representatives of Christ in a world that is going to hell quickly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for living an example that we can follow, that you've called us to. You didn't just stay up in heaven and tell us how to do things. You actually came to earth, walked this earth exactly how you want us to. Father, I ask that you do help us to put to death our old self, to treat others with so much more compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience than what we do already. Father, I ask that you forgive us when we've done wrong. Forgive us when we've allowed that old self to crop up and lash out. God, help us to work at it. Help us to realize that it does not come easy. It is not just given to us that you require us to work at it. God, I thank you for your salvation and the free gift, but I ask that you help us to become more like you each day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.